Chapter Five of Leatherface: A Tale of Old Flanders. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Leatherface: A Tale of Old Flanders by Baroness Orksey. Chapter Five: Vengeance. Satan satan assassin donna lenora had stood beside the dead body of her lover and kinsman wide-eyed and pale with rigid set mouth and trembling knees while her father explained to her how don ramon de linea had been murdered in the tavern of the three weavers by an unknown man who wore a leather mask she had listened to the whole garbled version of the sordid affair never thinking to doubt a single one of her father's words don ramon de linea according to the account given to his daughter by juan de vargas had while in the execution of his duty been attacked in a dark passage by a mysterious assassin who had fled directly his nefarious work had been accomplished the murderer however was seen by the provost in command and by two of the soldiers and was accurately described by them as wearing doublet and high boots of a dark brown color a hood over his head and a mask of untanned leather on his face the man had rapidly disappeared in the darkness evading all pursuit and donna lenora thus face to face for the first time in her sheltered life with crime with horror and with grief had in the first moment of despairing misery not even a prayer to god in her heart for it was filled with bitter thoughts of resentment and of possible revenge she had loved her cousin don ramon de linea with all the ardor of her youth of her warm temperament and of a heart thirsting for the self-sacrifice which women were so ready to offer these days on the altar of their love she had never thought him shallow or cruel to her he had always been just the playmate of childhood's days the handsome masterful boy whom she had looked up to as the embodiment of all that was strong and noble and chivalrous the first man who had ever whispered the magic word love in her ear now an unknown enemy had killed him not in fair fight not in the open on the field of honor but as her father said in a tavern in the dark surreptitiously treacherously and donna lenora in an agony of passionate resentment had at last broken the silence which had almost frightened her father and had suddenly called out with fierce intensity satan satan assassin her father had given her an account of the horrible incident which was nothing but a tissue of falsehoods from beginning to end and lenora had listened and believed how could she doubt her own father she hardly knew him 
and he was all she had in the world on whom to pour out the wealth of her affection and of her faith truth to tell de vargas had received the news of don ramon's death with unbounded satisfaction lenora had obeyed him and had been this night publicly affianced to mark van Rijk, but between her consent to the marriage and her willingness to become alva's tool as a spy among her husband's people there was the immeasurable abyss of a woman's temperament and a woman's natural pity for the oppressed but the outrage to-night the murder of the man whom she still loved despite paternal prohibitions was bound to react on the girl's warm and passionate nature and react in the manner which her father desired he trusted to his own powers of lying to place the case before his daughter in its most lurid light he had at once spoken of spies and assassins and his words had been well chosen within a few moments after he had told lenora the news he felt that he could play like a skilled musician upon every string of her overwrought sensibilities her heart had already been very sore at being forced to part from her first lover now that the parting had suddenly become irrevocable in this horrible way all the pent-up passion fierce resentment and wrath which she had felt against her future husband and his people could by clever manipulation be easily merged into an equally fierce desire for revenge it was a cruel game to play with a young girl who by blood and race was made to feel every emotion with super acuteness but de vargas was not the man who would ever allow pity or chivalry to interfere with his schemes he saw in his daughter's mental suffering in the shattering of her nerves and the horror which had well-nigh paralyzed her nothing but a guarantee of success for that comprehensive project which had the death of the prince of orange for its ultimate aim it is strange murmured the girl after a while that when ramon talked with me in the town-house last night he said that these netherlanders had a habit of striking at an enemy in the dark a presentiment no doubt rejoined de vargas with well-feigned gentleness now my child you begin to understand do you not why it is that we spaniards hate these treacherous netherlanders they are vile and corrupt to the heart every single man woman or child of them they fear us and have not the pluck to fight us in the open orange and his contemptible little army have sought shelter in holland they dare not face the valor and enthusiasm of our troops but mark you what orange hath done he hath sown the entire country with a crop of spies they are here there everywhere not very cunning and certainly not brave their orders are to strike in the dark when and how they can 
they waylay our spanish officers in the ill-lighted and intricate streets of their abominable cities they dog their footsteps till they meet them in some lowly tavern or a tenebrous archway then out comes their dagger swift and sure and they strike in the gloom and a gallant spanish officer's blood stains the cobblestones of one of their towns it was don ramon to-day it will be julian romero perhaps to-morrow or don juan de vargas who knows or mayhap the duke of alva one day orange and his crowd are out on a campaign of assassination an army of assassins has been let loose and their captain-general wears a mask of leather and our soldiery have dubbed him leatherface i have heard of this man leatherface said lenora slowly is it he you think who murdered ramon have we not the soldier's testimony he rejoined blandly two men and the provost saw him quite clearly as for me i am not surprised more than once our spies have reported that the man undoubtedly hailed from ghent and once he was traced to the very gates of this city but he added insinuatingly here he is surrounded by friends every burgher in ghent no doubt opens wide his hospitable door to the murderer of spanish officers think you it is likely that the high bailiff of ghent or or my future husband would harbor such an assassin she asked well he replied evasively all netherlanders are treacherous the high bailiff himself and his son mark are said to be loyal but there's another son and the mother one never knows it would be strange he continued unctuously if at some future time the murderer of ramon should find shelter in your house i shall pray to the saints she rejoined with passionate intensity that he and i may meet face to face one day indeed de vargas had no cause to fear that henceforth his daughter would fail in her vigilance the assassination of her lover had stirred her soul to its inmost depths indifference and light-hearted girlishness had suddenly given place to all the violent passions of her ardent nature for the moment desire for vengeance for justice she called it and hatred of the assassin and his mates had swept every other thought every soft aspiration away all her world the world as seen through the rose-colored windows of a convent window had tottered and opened beneath her feet and through the yawning chasm she now saw evil and lust and cruelty dancing a triumphant saraband over ramon's dead body there is a means resumed de vargas after a slight pause during which through half-closed lids he studied the play of every varying emotion upon his daughter's beautiful face there is a means my child whereby you or any faithful servant of our king can henceforth recognize at a glance the man who killed your cousin ramon a means yes 
he carries upon his arm the brand of his own infamy will you tell me more clearly what you mean she asked ramon had not breathed his last when the provost found him and ultimately brought him here to my lodgings he was able to speak and to give a fragmentary account of what had taken place how he was set upon in the dark and stabbed to death ere he could utter a cry but at the last moment he made a supreme effort and wrenching his dagger from his belt he struck with it at his assailant it seems that he inflicted a very severe wound upon the miscreant the dagger penetrated into the left forearm close to the elbow and gashed the flesh and muscle as far as the wrist and right through to the bone it is not likely that at this moment there is more than one man in ghent who hath such a wound in the left forearm the wound was deep too and will take some time to heal and even when it is healed it will leave a tell-tale scar which will last for years i think rejoined lenora coldly that i should know the man who killed ramon even if he bore no brand of cain upon his person father and daughter looked at one another and for the space of a few seconds their souls so different in every ideal every feeling every aspiration met in one common resolve he could hardly repress a sigh of satisfaction he knew that he held her closely firmly indissolubly at last he held her by all the romance which her girlish imagination had woven round the personality of a worthless man and by all the deep sense of injury which she felt as well as all the horror and the indignation at the dastardly deed and his own warped and gloomy soul was at one with her pure and childlike one pure because even the desire for revenge which she felt she ascribed to god and called it justice the moorish blood in her which mingles even with the bluest castilian claimed with savage primitive instinct that eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth which alone can satisfy a hot-headed and passionate race lenora's eyes as she met those of her father lost their look of dull despair something of the fanatical hatred which he felt for the whole of the despised race communicated itself to her now that she too had so much cause for hatred we understand one another lenora he said and like a feline creature sure of its prey he drew quite close to her and took her hand and began gently to stroke it you will have to teach me what to do father she rejoined your heart and wits will tell you that in a few days you will have entered the van Rijk household keep your eyes and ears open and win the confidence and love of all those around you let not a word a sign a gesture escape you and come and tell me at once all that you see and hear will you promise to do that my lenora he added forcing his harsh voice 
to tones of gentleness. I promise, she replied fervently. The lieutenant governor believes that Orange himself has been visiting Ghent lately. Keep your eyes and ears open, Lenora. You may be the means of bringing that arch-traitor to his just punishment. Promise me that you will listen, he urged. I promise, she reiterated firmly. The lieutenant governor comes to Ghent in a few days' time. Wherever he goes, there is always fear for his precious life. If Orange has been in Ghent, then he hath hatched a plot against the duke. On this I would stake my life. Promise me that you will be on the watch, Lenora. I promise. Upon your soul, my child. Upon my soul. And next to Orange himself, I'd sooner see that masked assassin, Leatherface, hang than any man in Europe. Remember that, little one. I'll not forget. The outrage on Don Ramon de Linea must not remain unavenged. Remember that. I'll not forget. Then let Orange and his rebels look to themselves, ejaculated de Vargas with a note of triumph. He took from the breast pocket of his doublet a piece of silk ribbon to which was attached a flat yet curiously fashioned and shaped piece of steel. Take this, my child, he said significantly, as he held the trinket out to her. This little bit of metal hath already done more service to our lord the king, to our country, and to our faith than a whole army of spies. What is it, dear? she asked. It is a little talisman, he replied, that will turn any lock and open any secret drawer by whomsoever lock and drawer have been manufactured. It was made for me by the finest metal-cutter of Toledo, one, in fact, whose skill was so paramount that we had reluctantly to, to put him out of harm's way. He was getting dangerous. This pass-key was his masterpiece. I have tested it on the most perfect specimens of the locksmith's art, both in Toledo and in Florence. It hath never failed me yet. Take it, my child, and guard it carefully, and I mistake not you will find use for it in your new home. Before she could protest, he had thrown the ribbon over her head, and she, mechanically but with unaccountable reluctance withal slipped the trinket into the bosom of her gown remember my dear concluded de vargas that the day after your marriage i must return to brussels but if you see or hear anything that may concern the welfare of our sovereign lord the king or of his government you must come to me at once do not hesitate invent a pretext come away in secret, do anything rather than delay, and remember also that anything you may tell me I will treat in absolute confidence. Your name will never appear in connection with any denunciation. I mean, he interrupted himself hastily, with any service which you may render to the state. Will you remember that also, my child? I will remember, she replied, it seemed almost as if she were under the potent spell of some wizard, 
she spoke and acted just as her father directed and yet he looked so evil at this moment hypocrisy and lust were so apparent in his jaundiced face that even lenora felt a sudden pang of doubt and of fear doubt as to the purity of her own motives and fear at the terrible companionship which would henceforth exist between herself and her father's friends men who like him were bent on the destruction of a nation and were actuated by blind hatred to oppress an entire people de vargas vaguely guessing what went on in the girl's mind made an effort to regain his former bland manner he strove by gentleness and soft words to lull her suspicions after all he was her father and she a motherless child had no one now in the world to whom she could cling on whom she could pour out that wealth of love and tenderness which filled her young heart to overflowing so now very soon she was kneeling close beside him her head resting against his bosom the dove nestling near the hawk and the tears which would not come all the while that her soul was consumed with bitterness flowed beneficently at last and eased her overburdened heart you will not fail me little one asked de vargas even in the midst of tender endearing words never she murmured if you turned against me father dear whither could i go i have no one in the world but you as her head was bent and her eyes downcast she could not see the cold and cruel glitter that shone in his face as he heard this simple profession of whole-hearted devotion and faith tell me what to do and i'll do it she whispered again then will god himself reward you he rejoined unctuously for you will be serving him and his church his anointed and the country of his chosen people after which he rose kissed her and finally with a sigh of intense satisfaction left her to meditate alone to dream and to pray End of chapter five